0: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you as always. Appreciate you joining us. What's up on a libations Friday, Lucy goosey edition of the program. Loosey-goosey. I'm Jeff, that's Tom. Back in the saddle. Back from New York. How you doing? <laughs> it's a day. It's a day. He's back for a day and then the weekend starts. What's up? Director Matthew in the house as always, and uh, you guys, you're here, should note, I just uh, posted this, uh, I screwed up, had to delete it, redo it, all that stuff, but uh, Chip Baker is on the show today in about, oh, I don't know, 15 minutes, we'll play that for you. I did it, I did the interview just before uh, we came in to the studio today, Chip joined me and we had a chance to sit down, Uh, as you can imagine, he's busy, for those that don't know... Uh, Chip Baker was a longtime coach at Florida State for Mike Martin and then transitioned into the director of baseball operations uh, role for Florida State for the better part of two decades and um, announced yesterday that he's going to retire. And he is a Florida State legend. He is a baseball legend. He is a uh, fountain of knowledge and really a wonderful man. And so when I saw that he was retiring – I wanted to reach out to him. We wrote a story, Ira did, on WarChant.com. I'm sure you see it pop up on most places that cover Florida State, uh, at least in terms of the announcement of his retirement. But I wanted to get him on and and talk with him, just have a conversation with him. He's so fun to talk to. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, and I say all this when we talk, so I won't prattle on too much here about it, but I, I really, when I first broke into the business, there were a few key people that uh, helped welcome me and give me an opportunity to feel ingratiated and have the chance to kind of get my feet under me and learn the ropes and, and how to do this job and and how to cover these players and these coaches and these teams and and how to do so, knowing that you were going to have to criticize them and knowing that you were going to you know be in awkward positions occasionally. And the people that uh, made that easier were those that understood my job understood my role and and didn't take it personal. It's hard not to sometimes. I mean, you know, I've crossed the line before and, you know, players and coaches, it can be a, a tough deal when you're paid to give an opinion about them, specifically them, on a daily basis. And sometimes you're going to ruffle feathers, but guys like Chip really made it easier to do that job and that they didn't take it personal and they would pull you aside and they would talk to you man-to-man and they would ask you questions and they could agree to disagree and they would make your job easier. They'd reach out to you about a player or something that was going on within the program to give you context so that you could go on the air and have the full story And because it's not always just what you're observing. There are other things that are happening. And from day one he did that, Tom, from day one. He pulled me aside, didn't know me from Adam. You know, didn't have any reason to to try to help me. Just did. Just did. And there, there are other guys like Chip, but not too many. And he is unique in the world of baseball, that's for sure. And he was awesome.
1: Yeah, I can Still tell you. Still is awesome. So it's uh, nearly 15 years since I began. And this is Chip's day. He's retiring after 39 years. 21 as the director of baseball operations for Florida State, but then 18 as a coach. I mean, you talk about a Florida State baseball lifer. Yeah. is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But when you're young... And you're easily skittish because you realize you're covering Florida State, and this yeah. was always something that mattered a lot to me—a football program and athletic department that mattered a lot to me. When somebody takes the time to be courteous to you when you're nobody,
0: oh, it's and, huge.
1: And it's not even like so what now, you know? You're, you're still, you know, you're still a regular person, and you're still a person that's covering sports for a living. There are much more important people in the world, sure. But when relative to your peers in the industry, there are guys when I started that were in the print industry have been covering Florida State for decades. You know, when you're the lowest on the totem pole and somebody takes the time to pull you aside is kind to you, it makes all the difference. I can tell mm. you, Ira is one of the first people that ever pulled me aside. He said, hey, aren't you interning with Jeff Show? I said, yeah, <laughs> I'm interning at 1270. My name's Ira. If you need anything, let me know. You know, it's just uh, Jason Latourney, Bob Thomas at Florida State, they were that way as well. It just, your heart rate lowers a little bit, and you say, okay, I can do this. I can do this because I know I've got people that are on my side.
0: Yeah, and and who get it. And, uh well, I always thought, too, you know, one of the things, and, and again, you guys are going to hear from Chip in about 10 minutes, so we'll run that interview. It's a good one. I really enjoyed talking with him. I always do. I always do, on and off the air. I've known Chip well. He's always just been such a down-to-earth guy. You run into Chip at, like, Publix or something, you have a 20-minute conversation about baseball. It's awesome. And... um, uh, you know, I'll sit down and have a beer with Chip, and and we'll shoot the breeze about a lot of things. He's an interesting guy, but one of the things um, that I, you know, when, when you, when you, when you can talk to somebody and express, um, you know, that I don't know, you know, I, I I'm a little uneasy about this. What should I say about this? How should I go about this? And they don't get immediately defensive, but they're able to talk to you and be sincere. Yeah. And kind of get the role you're in and get the situation you're in. Man, that, that is kind of rare and it's awesome when it happens. And uh, when you get people who 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 want to help, but then look you know, what I was saying was that this football coach, again, it's Chip's Day, so I don't want to spend too much time on the football staff right now, but that that's one of the real feathers in the cap of Mike Norvell. It's one of the things that immediately we thought, oh well, this is good. This has a chance. I don't know what it will be as a coach. I don't know if we'll win enough. I don't know, whatever. We'll, we'll have to judge this day by day and see how it goes. But, man, when your policy is that you're proud of the way you go about doing your business and you're proud of the way that you instruct, teach, and run a program and you want others to see it and understand it and know it and you want to shine a light on those players that are producing those wins or big plays or whatever it might be, that's smart. That's really smart because it is— What it does is it engenders sort of a feeling uh, from the community, from the fan base, from the people who consume our content. It creates context and it creates an understanding that, hey, this is a guy who's confident enough to know what he's doing, in his mind at the very least, is the right thing and he wants you to see it. He's got nothing to hide. And whether you know that or not as a fan consciously, that's what that policy is. He's celebrating what he thinks is going to be a successful run, and he likes to shine a light on players. He always gives credit to players and service and all that other stuff. But it, it helps us do our job, and it gives you more information from which to glean how to feel about this team. It's awesome. It's awesome. And Chip was one of those guys, and there aren't a lot of them. I'm going to tell you that. There, there are people that we know, you just named a couple, that have helped us do our job. There are people who are in the industry who 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 get it, but there are a lot more who don't. Oh, a lot more who are, uh, you know, I think cloaked in secrecy and want to keep you out of the loop and worry about you and get defensive around you or the media in general or try to paint a picture, a nefarious look at, you know, you're out to get them. That's like anything else. It could be a
1: family reunion. It could be your own work environment. If somebody is acting distant and skittish. What's up is the first thing that goes on in your brain. Maybe you don't say it out loud to the person. Something's up with him. Something's up with her. Why are they acting all, you know, shady? What's that about? (laughs) So all that does is create the issue that you're trying to avoid in that situation. And Coach Norvell said it from the word go. that That was just before the pandemic. We had a luncheon, and it was supposed to be normal times ahead. But he was very straightforward. It was an mm. off-the-record conversation. But, I mean, the gist of it is very, you know, Yeah, you innocent. want to do a
0: story, come to me, talk to me. Yeah. I'll be happy to give you the guy. Exactly.
1: Guys, you know, we're going to open up the doors to you. We expect that in exchange for that, you don't break trust.
0: Yeah, you'd but be th- reasonable with what you report.
1: And if you have something that you know is going to be important information, just run it by me when the cameras are rolling, and I'm going to answer it the way I want to answer it. You know, that's yeah, but that's that's fair. Yeah, that is called fairness. And yes, it's very rare. I was telling my family up north. I said, "Look, we get to go to every practice." They go, "What?"
0: They're Notre Dame fans. And they're going. You get to see every practice. Like everyone, yeah. yeah, it's the greatest. And we'll be doing it again real soon. Fifty-eight days till Florida State plays football. A lot, a lot fewer than that until they start practicing, which is uh, amazing. Today's forty-nine days to the start of college football. Ooh, buddy, forty-nine South days. East. Forty-nine days. 49 days. I mean, come on. Here we go. Uh, I did see this question. Who's going to carry on the tradition? I asked this very thing to Chip. You'll hear it in a moment. Who's going to carry on the tradition of presenting a spiked baseball for defensive shutouts uh, You know, to the FSU DC in the future? You present that to the defensive coordinator. Uh, Chip always did that. Spiked baseballs are pretty cool to look at, too. I don't know why. It feels like a Viking. Like, oh, you know, we're looking at something from the old world. But uh, I always thought it was neat, uh, and Chip assures us that uh, he's got plenty of baseballs, plenty of spikes. So, well, we've had one that's been waiting. I'm sure.
1: I don't know. I, I don't know what the sequence is. Does he does he spike it only after it occurs, or is there a spiked baseball that's been waiting for years? No, and I years think he years? only does it
0: afterwards. Okay. I don't know. I've never been uh, next to him during that moment when it has when it does happen. When he actually spikes,
1: I want to see it. You know what? Maybe the big shooter loves social media. That's his handle, the Big Shooter 3, Mm because that's his number, Mm -hmm. near and dear to his heart. You know what,
0: Big Shooter? The next time we get to spike a baseball— Let's film it. Film it. Yeah, that'd be amazing. It would be amazing. I want to be there to see it. Yeah, that was always one of my favorite things. And Hey, it's really hard, extremely difficult to complete a shutout in today's football. I mean, these were a more regular occurrence. These things happened more often— Uh, In football in the 90s when we had a dominant team and the game hadn't changed to a place where it was so offensively heavy and the rules hadn't shifted to a place where you uh, frequently find yourself allowing for drives to extend because of nonsense calls like hitting somebody too hard. We get that all the time. That's the worst thing about the game of football today, besides what they allow in college, which is offensive linemen, in essence, to go downfield on passing plays, um, which drives me nuts. But other than that, you actually sit around watching football, and when somebody hits somebody hard, you go, oh, they're going to throw a flag. That just looked like it hurt. We can't have that anymore.
1: Yeah, the 11 hit from Nigel Bradham actually should have been a warning of what was to come. You know, we oh. thought it was just a ridiculous outlier situation. A hundred
0: flags were thrown in that moment, yeah.
1: Well, because targeting wasn't a thing quite then, the way we know it now. But that should have been the warning to us of what was about to happen. Because that was just the watershed moment for the ACC, but all conferences picked it up from that point moving forward.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's you know it's always frustrating. We'll, uh, I don't want to get down into that muck again, because Lord knows we'll go down a path in which we just scream from our lawn and point to the clouds but it, it is it is a, a thing that is frustrating that is another that's a sidebar thing uh I never see that problem well I shouldn't say never I rarely see that problem in the SEC they kind of just get it I mean that part of it they get there's big boy football guys are gonna get hurt protect yourself at all times <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah, if
1: it's not a head and neck hit, you don't see a flag for hitting too no, hard. Now, no, now you'll see targeting reviews, and somewhere you go, that's the conclusion you draw from right. that play. Every now and again. But yes, because he hit him too hard is mm-hmm. not a thing.
0: There. Yeah, no, not a thing at all. Not a thing at all. Uh, all right, so we'll get out of the way here to start. I want to run that interview next. It's uh Chip Baker and myself from earlier today. Uh, he announces his retirement. Does the colonel? Uh, after 39 years with FSU, that is an awful long time. Retirements mean more to me these days when I see them around me than they did 10, 15 years ago. They kind of represent something different. Stage of your life, your age, you know, you can kind of see the end there. Proximity of death. You, yeah, you start thinking about these things. When he announced that yesterday, I was like, man, I'm kind of shook. Because, I, I mean, I've been covering this team 25 years. He's been here longer, obviously, but, I mean, I kind of arrived way early in his time, certainly all of the time that he's been the director of baseball operations. Should I get size for a casket? Should I call over, <laughs> get my measurements? Uh, just saying, it represents a little bit something different than it used to. Chip Baker joins us next. Jeff Cameron show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Welcome in, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV, and I'm proud to call him a friend, and uh, this is kind of a surreal moment. I was just telling him off the air uh, for me, Chip Baker, director of baseball operations, former coach there for Mike Martin, third base guy forever, and, and really um, a kind of a legend here at Florida State and a legend in the game, joins me now to talk about his uh, pending retirement, which he announced yesterday on social media. I'm sure all of you saw that. And it immediately made waves. Chip, uh, how you doing, buddy? Let's let's get caught up on how we came to pass with this retirement abruptly and uh, a year short of forty. Come on, man.
2: Daughter Katie Bake, my daughter, wanted forty. I said, Katie, thirty-nine is division of three, and that was my number, my uniform number. Thirty-nine is a good year. <laughs>
0: It's a good year, and it's been a hell of a run, Chip. You've got memories. Uh, I mean, you can talk about this program in a way that really virtually nobody else uh, can. When you made the decision to retire, what was first and foremost on your mind? Beyond wanting to retire and have some time for yourself and all of that, What, if you could, in a way, encapsulate your career at Florida State, what would you say about it?
2: The opportunities I had, Mike Martin gave me the opportunity you know, four decades ago. And – it was coming in here, this place is, was a shell of what it is now. I mean, it was Florida State baseball, but what's been done in, in, around the facility, again, it needs some love, and I hear you all the time. It's getting some love. <laughs> but but uh, opportunity to work for the greatest person I know, Mike Morton, greatest coach, one more ball games. We're still trying to get him that big one, but opportunity to do that, opportunity Mike Martin Jr. gave me three years ago. I mean, I planned it all out when Coach Martin was his last year. I planned it all out. I, I had a few real problems, whatever, you know. I got rid of everything. I wasn't going to have a camp that summer and got rid of everything. And I was, you know, next guy that not want me, move on. Well, Jr. gave me the opportunity. And I, I wish Michael the best on it he gave me the opportunity. I said, Mike, I can help you. Let someone else run the camps. I've done, I've had a bunch of those parents reach out to me and guys who came to camp who are now granddads makes me feel old. But Link Jarrett brought me in last year. He said, I need this, this, and this. I need your help. He gave me the opportunity to work for a year. He's a great – I love him. He's my shortstop. But he's got it in good hands. We just got to get some players.
0: Well, that's the task that he has, and we've seen a very busy offseason. But back to you. Did you have any idea at the time that you got the opportunity that you just referenced from Mike Martin and you came to Florida State that this would be your your place of business, your place of work, your passion, your love, your commitment for close to 40 years? Did Were you thinking in those terms?
2: Jeff, yep, I dabbed into the head co- coaching interviews back in – we had a pretty good run in the 90s. You know that. Yes, you World did. World Series, six out of seven years, and – I dabbed into an interview at, at Ball State back in uh, I think 96. I get up there and, and, the, and the it was a beautiful spring day and the, the leaves are blooming, but I saw those leaves blooming four months ago in Florida. I realized I ain't coming, I'm not coming to Ball State. And then another dab was I interviewed during a summer camp, I interviewed at NC State. And Avant, and I were good friends. We've become great friends. He got the job at NC State. And I said to myself, there's nothing wrong with being the guy that the man relied on. I may not have been whatever, but I was the guy Mike Martin relied on. He wanted something done. Most of the time, I made somebody else's idea. And I didn't care who got the credit. But I got what he wanted. And we got a pretty good run with, with with the big guy.
0: I remember uh, I was a student here in the early nineties and I would watch you guys. I'd go do my homework at Hauser. This is before they added on to the stadium. Chip, you've been here for so many moments, the games, the, the players, the the coaches, everything you've seen. Uh, Is there one that stands out more than another? You talk about that run in the nineties, you know, Chip, when I, when I broke into radio, the late great Lee Bowen brought me over to uh, the stadium to sit down with Mike Martin and, and the assistant coaches, and, and I got a chance to talk to you, and I got a chance to kind of introduce myself, and you were always incredibly kind to me, and I want to give you all the credit in the world for that. You made it very easy for me. Um, but I was in awe. I think everybody was. Uh, the consistency and the domination and the and the, and the games won and the players that came through here, it seemed like every weekend at Hauser-Chip, there was another special moment, an indelible memory. Uh, it could be a J.D. Drew home run. It could be well, it, it, any number of things. I remember him and Jeremy Morris and all the things that have. Is there one thing that stands out to you more than most a game, perhaps, that you thought, "Oh, this it does, doesn't get much better than this"?
2: How long we got, Jeff?
0: We got as much time as you. want. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, you know, I, I can go back and talk about ball games, and someone asked me that at the dinner last week. What's your most proud moment? Or, uh, moment, and I said, you know, the year that JD Drew had here in '97. The year that's the greatest baseball player I've saw, and I pushed his button every day. And he knows it to this day. Every day I had to flip his – get him going about something. But I got – I was a part of the Marshall O'Doubill six-home run game. <laughs> you don't realize I put him to bed the night before, and they're all playing PlayStation with cables hooked in the hallways, all the way down the hall. Now it's internet. I said, guys, let's let's get some sleep. We play at noon tomorrow, early day, and we didn't take batting practice. So I took Brad Marshall, let's go, to the cage. Flipped him four balls. He says, I'm good for it. I'm good. He picked the balls up, and grabbed the bucket, and we I'm chirping at him going back to the dugout. Because he didn't get, I ain't take enough swings. Well, first at bat, he hit a sorry single up the middle. And I went out in an inning, grabbed his helmet, and I said, You should have took more swings in the cage. <laughs> that fact. Next six at bats, that's history. Seven for seven. That that's 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 one of my that's one of my good ones, you know. But um, Chip,
0: Chip, nobody will ever do that again. You were part yep. of something that will never be yep. done again, and and by the way, a lot of researchers look to find it, and in organized, professional or college baseball, it had never happened, wow, uh, in the history of the game. So you know,
2: yeah, hey, there's reminders in my phone every year on on May the eight. Tomorrow is Martin Luther Day on May the ninth, and I try to proclaim it a holiday, but there's nothing else going on May 9th. and it's it's it's, it's incredible, incredible. You know, it's I. I there's so many guys have been around. You go back to, you know, Richie Lewis, Mike Moyn, those guys when I first got here. I got guys that I was only a few years older, they're in their 50s now, that are, have reached out on a daily, you know, weekly, daily basis. And guys, you know, it's just, it's everybody keeps saying write a book. Once the book's in my head, you got to get it out of it. It's in there somewhere. But it's been a great 39-year run.
0: You'll have an opportunity, Chip. You You have a... Seemingly photographic memory for baseball. Every time I've ever brought up a moment to you, you've told me the things surrounding that moment, the things that led to that moment, the things that happened after that moment. Uh, I am curious, as your role developed, and, you know, I always looked at you as kind of, I I don't want to say good cop, bad cop, you were the good cop, because that makes Mike a bad cop, and I don't mean it that way, but, like, you you were the guy that kind of connected, as you just described, with the players, and that allowed... Coach Martin to kind of do what he needed to do as a head coach and all those responsibilities off the field and all those things. He knew that he could trust you to do that. When did you kind of figure out this is the? Did you go player by player, or was it sort of a role you could play where you knew how to bring out the best in players just by getting to know their personalities, or did you play a certain uh, role that you knew would work for them?
2: Never had an agenda. I'm not that smart, but I'm a people person. If that guy's personality connected with me i mean i got a guy mark ronan i got five guys i mean i'll talk about it he's one of my guys i signed him i flew to tampa signed him came back for a ball game and very close with him to this day he came to third base one day and i start getting on him where have you been your dad called me from alaska where have you been for the last three days you haven't been on tv you haven't been on base and I'm, i'm 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 poking it i'm poking it hard And he said, I said, don't look at me. Watch the picture. I kept fouling balls off, and I didn't stop. I did not stop. I hold that bat, and I'm chirping on him. You know, kind love him, pat him on the back, whatever. But I am in his ear. After the game, he came to me and says, thanks for getting on me. He had three hits that night. It wouldn't out. So, Doug McAvich. Doug McAvich, I poked him every day during infield. Every day during pregame infield, Doug McAvich, I used to tell him, you better get three hits, midweek game. You better get three hits today because that guy Friday night's going to stick it to you. You better get your three hits on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Or Friday night he gets his second hit he's screaming at me. I got two and I'm getting three more. You know, <laughs> you just got to poke him. You just got to poke him a little bit. I missed that. And I, did, I got a few guys on this ball club this past year. I poked them a few times in, the, in my stay-out-of-the-way role. But, yeah.
0: I'm – gonna guess here chip because i can hear it in your voice that's the aspect of this you're going to miss the most it's the guys it's the it's the clubhouse it's the locker room it's the connections it's the moment where the light bulb goes off for somebody that you've been working with and he seems lost in the wilderness doesn't have a clue and then eureka he's got it and it's a three-hit day and you know you played some small role in that maybe a major role in that that's the stuff you're going to miss i'm assuming
2: true true very true you go. You go back to Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash was not having a great day in practice. I think it was his sophomore year in January. And, and, and Jeff, you know, back in the day, we played at the end of January. So we're getting, we're scrimmaging. Yeah. And Kevin gets jammed in practice. He's mad. He wanted to play third. I think he's back at first. He ended up being at third. We all figured it out. And he gets he gets jammed in practice by pitch, live pitch, and he kind of Halfway dodged the first. I've been around Coach Martin a long time. I never, he he threw him off the field. Get out of here. You go play like that, get out of here. This is sophomore, Kevin Cash.
0: Mm.
2: I walked in that locker room and he and I had a moment. And I love Kevin Cash. It might have changed his outlook because the next morning he walks in my office and reaches out wants to shake my hand. I said, no, no, no. I gave him the biggest hug in the world. I said, I'm in your corner. Let's go to work. Let's go to work. And that might have changed it. I don't know. And he was 19, 20 years old. Again, that was how many years ago?
0: It did change him, Chip. And now he's the manager of the Rays, and he's really successful and got got, got some success at the uh, major league level. And you did that for a lot of guys. As an aside, I'm kind of curious. I always thought Kevin Cash had the strongest arm in the field that I had ever seen throw across the diamond. Am I wrong? That's going to be my,
2: my next comment. You know, fans come to the ballpark, and I had someone tell me one day, he said, I get to the ballpark to watch you hit fungos, which, yeah, I can still hit one. Yeah. I ain't going to hit it hard, but I can still hit it. And matter <laughs> of fact, that's the pr- I got it locked up, and it's going out of here today. I may not be gone in, in, in a month or two, but it, that fungo is leaving today. And uh, to be on the field and – Karen Shoop, Shute, Jamie Shute's wife, said, "I used to love to watch uh, Kevin Cash throw the ball across the infield." And I said, "Karen, you need to be down there so you can hear it. Yep, you can hear that ball across the infield. You know, so that 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 that, that brought up things that people point out to me. And I'm up in the the TV booth, I had opportunity to work in, and air conditioning's great, but I see so much more up here than you can see on the field. But being on that field." You can't you can't replace it. You're part of the game. You're part of the kids. You're part of the kids' life. And Coach Martin, I was never the guy to go over and hug, hug, hug with all the other assistant coaches. I didn't really know them. All the other coaches knew them because they recruited with them. I ran the summer camps, which were pretty good. But my my job was to take my nine and beat that nine on the other side. Mm-hmm. And We won won more than we lost,
0: as they say. To to say the least, I did get a question posed to me yesterday when the news broke that you were retiring, Chip, and the first thing a few people reached out to me and wanted me to ask you was, who's going to spike the baseball for shutouts? I mean, what are we going to do, my man? You created a tradition that is pretty damn cool. You're going to be around here. Are you still spiking baseballs if we can shut anybody out in the modern game of football?
2: (laughs) We shut somebody out. There's plenty of baseballs in my house. It's a project I do at home. I will be there Monday morning. I promise you.
0: You're going to hang around the ballpark, Chip. You're going to be there. I don't think you can be away from it, can you?
2: That's one thing Link Jared asked me yesterday. I I surprised him. He didn't know it was coming. I mean, Jason Jason Dennard is my oversight, instrumental. He was my music guy 20 years ago when I was coaching. Yeah. And he's he's been, now he's my oversight, the director of marketing for Florida State Athletics. And he and I have come very close in conversations. And I asked, I've been asking him, I said, you know, I planned everything out, as I mentioned earlier, when Coach Martin's going to retire. And then uh, when, when Mike Mark Jr., the, the, the change of command last summer, leak, I said, 39 is good. And I walked in to Jason and I talked to him. I walked in, and obviously there was some emotion. And uh, I said, it's time. And then walked up. I said, I want to go see the boss. I'm going to see Mike. Oh, Michael's been great. I walked in his office. I said, Boss. And I'm emotional again three or four times yesterday. It wasn't fun. I said, It's time. I said, I'm here from Florida State. Same thing I told him last June. If I can help you out to Florida State. So I'll come back in. I was going to tell Courtney and Nikki in the office. And my, 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 my joke was if I'm ever out of here, my keys are in the door. Jokingly, well, I put my keys in the door. I was going to tell them before I told Link. Yeah. when Link comes down the hall. He's been in the room and in there getting ready to release, you know, a new assistant coach and all that going in or trying to get the information out. So I kind of I stood in front of my keys. So we go back down the hall and I lock it up again, Jeff. You know, I ain't, lock, I locked it up three times in 20 minutes yesterday. And I got all, it's all out. And uh, I said, Link, it's time. You look at me, I said, I'm going to retire. Run me out of here when you want me to. But it, this, this is it. And I said, I'm helping you whatever you want me to do. But it's time. And I go home, had to do some service, got at my house, come back in. People started calling me. So Jason Denner said, You need to get this out before it gets out. So I said, Five people knew about it. He said, More people than five know about it now. That's so great. Courtney took me over to see Bailey, D Hart, and Bailey put the graphic together, the photo, this iconic photo. A good friend of mine took that photo of Mike Martin and myself. At College World Series. That's the last step that Mike Martin took on a baseball field as the head coach. And there was some emotion going on right there. You know, so. You can see it. He took it. And I got a few of those blown up around the town. So let you know, man. So i am hang one in the studio.
0: <laughs> I'd love to have that in my studio. Hell I'd have that in my house. And by the way, they should take that fungo <laughs> and hang it in the Louvre, man. That thing is well,
2: legendary. And it's not Florida State's fungo. I bought three, two fungos. 30 years ago at $300 a pop. So they're mine. (laughs) And one of them got broke. Someone broke one. So I don't know, but yeah, that's mine. I got the receipt.
0: Chip, I want to, I want to say this to you as we wrap up. Um, I'm sincere when I tell you that uh, all of us that have been in the media have been fortunate enough to be in, you know, I started covering Florida state professionally in 98. So it's been 25 years. And I've met a lot of people that have come and gone in the media and a lot of people that have covered Florida State baseball and football and the like. And to a man and woman, every one of them would put a smile on their face the second we saw you when we went over to practice, when we went over to Hauser, when we went over to watch football or baseball, because you're radiant, you're real, you're sincere, you're kind in your heart, and you are loving. And that's why you connected with players, that's why you connected with coaches and fans, it's why you're a legend. And I just want to thank you for being so good to me. I'm being selfish here. All of these years, you never took it personal if I criticized the baseball team or you or anybody else. You were a pro's pro when I wasn't. And I sincerely thank you. And I wish you nothing but the best in retirement. Chip, you're one hell of a guy and it's been a hell of a ride. You're a legend and you always will be. And thanks for coming on today and sharing your retirement, buddy. I wish you nothing but the best. I know you'll be around. I know we'll have an opportunity to sit down and talk and I look forward to it.
2: Jeff, I really appreciate the opportunity to have me on here. And, again, tip my cap to you. This, I appreciate it. Be
0: good, brother. Take care. Thank tip you. Tip everybody, he's a legend, and he is retiring after 39 years. We'll come back and react to that in a moment. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. High Nations Friday rolling along. Our thanks to Chip Baker for joining us today. Congratulations to him, and I hope, sir, you enjoy your retirement. I know I'll see you out and about. That was a fun conversation. Enjoyed him coming on there. I would uh, pivot here from that, and only to note a couple of things. I'm sure you've seen this, uh, Tom. I don't know if you have or not. Uh, Pro Football Network. Uh, I'm not sure who Pro Football Network is, but they're a website and they're ranking things again. You know how Uh-oh. it goes. Well, one of their guys, uh, Cam Meller has Jared Verse going number one in the NFL draft. What number one? Come on. There's another site that has him going number five. Saw that yesterday.
1: More believable. The desire for a pass rusher is bettered only by a desire for a quarterback. Correct. So yeah. that makes sense. But number one overall, I I love. Florida State as much as the next guy, but uh, that's a little, a little much.
0: Yeah, it's a lot much. I don't know how that would work. I first of all, Arizona doesn't have a quarterback, so they should go ahead and do that. Uh, the The midget that plays there is not performing well and has never performed well, and they need to move on. And then the, you've got two that are coming out, and they're both incredible. So, I mean, I would guess that's going to be quarterback.
1: Yeah, if Jared Verse is drafted over May or Caleb Williams,
0: um, then let the Bucs have the third pick or the second pick in the draft, please. So what is kind of fun to look at is that I think the Bucs probably project to have the first, second, third, worst case scenario, fourth pick. If you have a if you have the third pick in the NFL draft, you're gonna get one of those two quarterbacks. Arizona's not drafted both. They've got the first two picks. Oh, yeah?
1: Well, yeah. According to this. Now you could see how the standing no, shake out.
0: R- no, I, I think the way it's. Yes. Um, there was a. Well, right. Okay. There's that. And then there was also a trade that they made. So they have a pick in one With of those bad two teams. Yeah. 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 So th- they're likely going to get th- some scenario by which they're going to get one of these quarterbacks. That leaves the other for us if we're in the right spot. Okay. If we're not in the right spot and we're further down. Um, you know, are we going to hate Baker Mayfield for leading us to a five and twelve record in the
1: fifth pick? Well, here's is the, that
0: where we're going? Okay, well, if he does, then you know you've got an opportunity, I think, to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. I
1: mean, yeah, uh, yeah, man, that's great. He's a star, sure is. Really good player. You know, Mike Evans was a star for years on sorry <laughs> football teams. We watched him rack up a lot of great seasons, though. and Give us New a chance. New Hopkins was a great player for the Texans. Didn't do much.
0: I'm a uh, playoff. Yeah, we need a quarterback. There's no doubt. And if you can get Drake May, I'd get him. I would get him. Megatron had a hell of a career in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. The, here's where I the problem is. You know what? I took the over on six and a half. I think the Bucks are going to go like seven and ten. Oh no. They're not terrible on defense and. You know, I mean, you get you get your weapons all back on the offensive line. You're healthier than you've been in a long time. I don't know, buddy.
1: So I was doing a thought experiment mm-hmm. while uh, sitting on the beach, and it was about remember the old quest for eight and eight. Mm.
0: That was fun. 16, Sixteen game seasons, yeah.
1: Landed a couple of hits there. Houston one year, Kansas City another. It Kansas- was Oakland, I think, that you were, or well, yeah, the Raiders is who you had. That was a, yeah. There yeah, were a couple of year. whopping yeah. failures, but most of the time, yeah, there were most a couple. Of the time,
0: there were a couple three and. 13s in there, yeah.
1: Yeah, that that you know, but three and thirteen the year before, a couple of those that made it all the way back mm-hmm. up, and sometimes uh, they they made it to the wild card round. This year's, I went through all of the divisions. I think it's Atlanta. I think it's the Falcons. Well, they'll be better than Nate. I think that. Well, but you're talking about a team that finishes low that is going to you know rise. Well, I <laughs> don't want to use their their slogan for them, but that wants to rise up and put it put a number together. They could win the division outright because they're going to be about. On the ground toughness, and they drafted towards it, and their coach is a jerk, and that's the way they want to play. Atlanta is going to win the I division. I like how they've organized themselves.
0: I do too, and I hate to say it, but I think they are the division winner. I picked them to win the division, and I think they will. They are tough, and they can run the ball, and they're not terrible on defense. Yeah. That was a solid football team that played much better than its the talent. Second level. half of the season, they were good, man. Yeah. They were, they were they were a tough out. They were a weird kind of team. They were physical, very physical. But, uh, yeah, so we're at that place now where you start doing it. You start looking ahead at win totals for the NFL and making your early season bets, well, buddy.
1: It, yes, that's part of it, and that's always fun. And we did that with college last week, which was great, some of the future matchups and win totals. But this is also a year in which the NFL draft is going to matter a lot because we're going to see a lot of Knowles that we watch this upcoming season land in different situations, and you're going to say, oh, man, that organization's a train wreck. I hope he can make it through there. Or, boy, that could not be a better fit for this player, for Trey Benson or for Johnny Wilson. I'm so happy to see them go to that organization because it's put together well, it's run well. You're going to be doing that for over 10 guys next year. So the NFL draft will actually be watched by more Knowles that feel so-so about the NFL because they want to see where their guys go.
0: It was always one of those um – joys when we had the run of success forever that you could, you know, I, I would get asked by Gene before I worked for chan he'd be like hey, can you submit your draft projections for, you know, these eight guys and you just took for granted that you had eight to ten guys seven to nine guys yeah. that were going to get drafted and you were debating whether it was a second round pick, first round pick, third round pick, fourth round pick, wherever, wherever you were we had a long run where you didn't have anybody and this past year you had one. I was around for some of this uh,
1: before Jimbo got it really cooking. So this is just the beginning of my time Heartful. working with you. Yeah, but a lot of the staff members at that time of Chant, So this is a completely different roster than we have now. Correct. They would put, you know, fourth round, yeah, and you'd say not
0: drafted, not drafted, undrafted. undrafted, free undrafted. Agent. This guy yeah. sucks. I, I was, I was brutal. People would get mad at me. I'd be like, why am I projecting where this guy's gonna get drafted? He's zero. Say I not say some names, of the names, but I'd be like, roller skates is one of the guys. Like roller skates. Why do we have him getting, on the list? He ain't getting drafted. That dude couldn't make the Canadian League. What are we doing? Uh, yeah, I would always submit that. People would be like... And you' would be like, come on, Jeff. Yeah. What do you want me to do, lie? I'm not going to tell you that guy gets drafted. He's got zero chance to get drafted. He's a bum. Yeah, we, we had that all the time back in the day. But the opposite is true now. I mean, you could send me a list over of guys that are getting drafted. It's a it's a long list. Oh, it's a names. A very dozen names. long list. A dozen names. It is a dozen names. Maybe more. Well, I mean, off the top of your head, you're just talking about getting drafted. Off the top of your head, you could, you know, Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, Jordan Travis, one of the, uh, probably uh, two of those offensive linemen, easily, maybe three, uh, on the defense. well, if three offensive linemen, you're at six. Okay, Jared Verse, obviously. Yep. I think there's a good chance Patrick Payton's going to have a huge year and probably leave. He'll project well. He'll project well, and he's getting bigger and stronger if by the goes, day. If he goes, that's eight. Um, interior, uh, Fabo's getting drafted for sure. Nine. Uh, if Daryl Jackson gets his waiver and plays the way he's capable of, uh, yeah, my man's getting drafted maybe in the first round. That's ten. Jeez. Um, geez. You know, I would, Bell. I would think Jaheem Bell 11. is going to get drafted. Yeah, you can keep going. I think Fisk will get drafted if he's up to what we think he is. He'll get There's drafted. He'll get yep. drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, golly, I, Deloach will get drafted. Deloach will get drafted if he stays healthy and runs like we've seen him run. Yep. He'll get drafted. Yeah. Golly, uh, Ventrell
1: Cypress. If he if he does what Pro Football Focus says he's supposed to do, he'll get drafted.
0: Renardo Green last year.
1: I think it can be. It can be. I don't know if he's if he's a super senior or not.
0: He would. He'll get drafted. He's talented enough. Solid to, as a to, rock. He'll get a yep. look. You yep. know. He'll get a look. He's not a game changer. But either. high floor guys. NFL loves those late rounds. Yeah. Well, special teams and everything else. Yeah. He'll get. Yep. He'll get drafted. Yeah, man. It's it's crazy to think you could have twelve, thirteen, fourteen. That you know that's and a lot the
1: first two days.
0: And you had one last year. You had yep. one. Yeah. Fifth round pick. One
1: probably at minimum four in the first two days, but you're probably more like a half dozen to seven guys minimum in the first two days of the draft.
0: It's crazy. And it's so, um, it changes the way that you look at the the draft and all that. I mean, it, it Benson is a guy that if he has the kind of season Corey and I did for those that haven't looked at it yet, uh, go look Johnny Wilson, number three on the top 40 list Warchan TV. Corey and I did that yesterday and sat down and talked and, uh, you know, I was looking at um, – did we say Johnny Wilson just now? Yeah. Okay, I, I was hoping I I didn't skip Johnny, over Johnny Wilson. Keon. We went through uh, Benson and Wilson's inconsistencies. Same conversation you and I had about Benson. When mm-hmm. you go look at game logs, you really realize that they did the bulk of their damage in like three or four games. Yeah, yeah. Where they have these monstrous games, and then they have more than a handful of games where it's – Two catches, 20 yards. It's, you know, nine carries, 52 yards. Seven carries, 46 yards. Yeah. So you now realize that, A, they know they can perform on this stage at a very high level. That they're capable of dominating games. The last game Johnny Wilson played, he had over 200 yards receiving. He now knows, certainly, that he is the guy there, right? Trey Benson... Is part of a littered backfield. I mean, it's just loaded with tons of talent, but he's the guy coming into the year. And I would think if you're a running back, you want to go pro sooner rather than later. You don't want to keep wearing carries. So if you get if you we get him 15 carries a game in with this schedule, my man's gonna have eight. To nine 100-plus-yard games?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Easily. No, he's staring at at least, and, and this is if they don't use him as a workhorse, which they probably won't. It's not what this offense is built around, is making one guy a feature player. No, not they at spread all. Spread the ball based on matchups. You know, nobody except Dalvin Cook has eclipsed 1,300 rushing yards in a season. This hasn't happened. Dalvin's 1-2. It's 1,700 and 1,600. Then there's this gulf mm-hmm. before you get to work done. Fewer games, different era of football, all those things. But Trey should be by season's end number three in a single-season rushing record for Florida State. He should be. If you give him 15 pops a game, that guy's he's running for 13 1,400 yards. Yeah, he will. There
0: are more games. Well, he had 990, 980, it's whatever it was. It's an excuse me, 1,000-yard yeah. season yeah. last year yeah. pretty yeah. much, yeah. Yeah, he's a star, and that that's <laughs> just fun to think about. Well, it's one of the reasons why when I get asked, and I've had some work done at the house recently, I've got a car that's being fixed, I've had – Plenty of opportunities. Just talk to folks about the upcoming season while I stand around and wait for things to get fixed. And in the midst of those conversations, one of the things that I point out is is kind of almost bulletproof that they're going to have a good season. We're only talking about the difference between good and great in terms of expectations, not going from bad to good. So we're it's a good season no matter what. And when they say, when you say no matter what, I say, Yeah, well, I'm not anticipating you can't anticipate injuries. You never make a projection based on who you think might get hurt, who might, might not. So, a, I'm saying nobody's getting hurt. Yeah, sure. But, but, b, I'm pointing out that this offense is foolproof. I mean, they, they 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 can't not be very very good. They can't be. You'd have to really try to not be good on offense this year with this schedule and this talent. Correct. The only thing that could trip them
1: up is if they don't want to. They don't establish one thing in a game. You know, you could see them in between.
0: Oh, they get betwixt in between. But what? How many times? I mean, you'd learn a lesson once, right? Crazy. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with.